Well, it's another day and another dollar. Actually, it's a lot more than just a dollar. The United States of America has qualified for the World Cup. And they will be a part of this competition for the first time in quite a while, eight years, in fact. We all remember that um, close to five years ago, we, we failed miserably. We came in fifth out of six. And we did not uh, get the opportunity to participate in the last World Cup. We will be a part of this one, which is great news. And that's why I bring up the dollar, because it will have a massive effect on everything that we do in this this country and the fact that we are now included in the in a bigger opportunity. So all the sponsors this morning are going to breathe easy. People don't, don't realize what that's like. These deals have been done. I used to work for Fox and ESPN. So the people that really get burned on these deals, so they dropped millions, millions into the idea that they get that advertising time and they do a deal with the people who own the rights, the broadcasting rights for a World Cup. Those are the people who get really burned when our team fails to qualify. And it also, unfortunately, when you go through those kind of negotiations, I've talked to a lot of the execs over at, at Fox. These kind of, <laughs> they sweat these things out, man. They're watching. They are more invested, actually, I would say, than most fans are. And most fans just want to see their team play. But they're not the ones that you know brokered or, or did a deal for millions of dollars, all contingent on the fact that our team is actually there. And then go rifling through those contracts to figure out what kind of mileage they can get out of this really bad contract when our team isn't there is, uh, is not a fun process. Went through that once with some friends and it's not uh, the folks over at Fox. It's not a good deal. But that will not be the case. The United States is a, big, is a part of the bigger pie and they're going. I want to talk you through it today. I am uh, Eric Winaldo. This is For the Win. I'm coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. From the Win, the hotel, resort, and casino, which is a wonderful place to be. I've said that a hundred times. If you haven't figured out how to get here yet, figure it out. Figure it out. It's a great place to watch soccer, by the way. And the fact that this World Cup, different than any other World Cup previous to it, will be happening in November and December. I was just looking at the, the, the actual dates. Now, this is just wild. There's so many layers to this, especially when you're you know, looking at it from the American lens, from the MLS lens. This is the first World Cup that actually is a massive advantage for our players. It is a massive advantage for the United States, which is one of the only leagues in the world that starts in March and finishes in November, December. So if you really are looking at it from that lens, we're the only, also the only league in the world that just plays right through a World Cup. <laughs> because we are right in the middle of our season, we just say, oh, well, let's just play. We'll play fewer games, but we're going to continue to play. We're the only, only league in the world that does that. Actually, there's one more, and I just can't remember who it was, but it's not one of the big ones. I can tell you that. But on this occasion, we're going to be finishing our season. Our players are going to be right in that sweet spot where they are just at optimal fitness. You know, some of them might be tired out, but it really is an opportunity for our league to work in tandem with our national team program to make sure that we're not limping into this thing, that we're actually flying. We're ready. We're ready to go. And that's pretty cool. That's the only time I'll ever say that because I'm a huge proponent of getting on a traditional calendar. But on this particular occasion, the World Cup will start on November 21st. That's the first game. The final is on December 18th, the week before Christmas. So if you do the math there, this is tournament's going to start and all of this preparation of playing every three days might be a, a pretty good idea because that's the way this tournament is going to work. It's bang, 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 and it's over before it even started. It's not even a day off. I'm trying to find a day off in there. 
There's a couple of days prior to the semis and the, uh, the final, but even that third place game. But it starts on November 21st and it is over on the 18th. It's going to be over for most teams after 10 days because you're going to get knocked out. And this is all the next World Cup that we, we, we get into. We're going to have a bigger number of teams uh, and the qualification process will be very different. More teams will get in, but the United States has figured it out this time. They come in third out of eight instead of fifth out of six last time and they're in. They do it in the, in the fashion of a 2-0 loss to Costa Rica yesterday, which let me remind everybody, United States in World Cup qualification has never won in Costa Rica. Never. We're talking, we're going back to the 80s here. Never won a game. So this shouldn't have surprised anybody. What did get the United States into the World Cup is a tie in Mexico and the fact that Panama could not beat Honduras. When those two results happened, everything changed. Everyone assumed Panama would get past Honduras. They did not. One-to-one was the final score. And the United States gets that one point. If they don't get that point, and they only had the win against Panama, regardless of the scoreline, Costa Rica, with their victory, would have surpassed us, and we would be in a playoff game with New Zealand. But we're not. On goal difference, we are in. So I made a funny tweet yesterday. I did the beep, beep, beep. What is that? That's the United States backing into the World Cup. Uh, and all of the, the the narrative today is, who cares? We don't care. We're in. And that's, I think that that's, you know, that's mainly because the United States failed to qualify last time. So when you look at it from that lens, you say to yourself, okay, well, this is a great thing. We're in. We're in the World Cup, which is a hell of a lot better of not being in. To remind everybody that when we came in fifth out of six, we had one game left against Trinidad and Tobago. If we tied, we would have been in the World Cup. We didn't. We lost. If we won that game, we would have come in second. But we didn't. We lost. We got knocked out. And that's why it was such a tragedy because it came down to one game. Thank God that was not the case. And we had the point in Mexico because if we went to Costa Rica, we would do what we do down there, lose. I think it was 1985 we had a tie. But ever since then, not a good trip. I was actually going back and watching the game I participated in, the three to two loss. I think Herman Medford got a couple of those goals. Lasseter and I got the goals for the U.S., Watch the third goal. I encourage you to do this because if you ever want to yell at Alexi Lawless for anything, that is the single worst bit of defending period I've ever seen, period. You blew it! And as a player back then, I had to forgive him. He was my teammate. Man, if I was a fan and I watched that, oh, get out the pitchforks. It's pretty bad, Alexi. I don't, I, you misread that one. It was, just go watch it. It's, I'm going to put it on Twitter later today. It's brutal. Really poor defending. All right, so when we're on that subject, because I was trying to, in my mind, figure out if there was another instance, whether it did, regardless of the game, of really poor defending from a national team player against Costa Rica, and we got to see it yesterday. So the first topic that I, before I get into who we're going to play and who, who, we, who we might get and how we are, we're in pot two, by the way, and Germany and the Netherlands are in there, thank God, so we don't get them again, but there's unbelievable possibilities here. I believe we might even get Brazil when it's all said and done. However, well, let's go back to this topic. Zach Steffen is not good enough. And here's why he's not good enough. I don't know why he's our number one. I don't know why the number two at Man City, who barely ever gets to play, who's had a bad back and a bad shoulder. Nobody talks about the shoulder, but guess what? He's got a shoulder injury. Sorry, cat's out of the bag. And if you watch the first goal from Costa Rica yesterday, you see that he's hurt. Part of me wants to say, okay, you know, let's give the guy a break. He's dragging an injury. Turner's out. Horvath didn't have the trust of the manager. Horvath should have played yesterday. Given 
that we didn't need to win the game. We could, we could have lost that game three, four, nothing and still qualify. I don't understand why he's our number one. He does not play for his club. He tweets out things. What a perfect way to end the year when they won their last game going into January. And I thought to myself, no, Zach, it's not perfect for the number one goalkeeper to be sitting on his ass watching a game and saying, this is perfect. No, your teammates won that game. You didn't. You're not our number one. Or at least you shouldn't be. And you proved it yesterday. And if, if we didn't have some last-ditch tackles from our guys who, who are, are clearing it off the line for you because you were out of position again against Panama, that game could have been different. I think he's arrogant. I think he's hurt. For some reason, he's complacent. And I don't know where that's coming from. But the bottom line is if he's in the net, I don't care. He's not going to get any better, whether he's hurt or not. If he's in the net in Qatar, we will not succeed. End of story. And that's mainly because he doesn't get games. He doesn't. They, they throw him in the uh, Caribou Cup or, or they, they, you know, they, let him, they let him get in there every once in a while. But that's not the form that we need in our goal. And I don't know what Greg's thinking here. I really don't. But this one's slippery. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. As far as the rest of the guys, you know, Robinson, Robinson, where the Jedi and Miles, I mean, I'll tell you, pretty good defending. And Walker is, is growing on me. Okay. The kid's growing on me. Yedlin wasn't bad yesterday. He's a great option. Right. And, and then the way we started the game, putting Musa in that, in that situation, I, I didn't think Pulisic played well at all. Tim Weah. And here we go again, Pepe. I mean, Pepe couldn't finish a grape with a, with a knife and a fork. This guy's just out of form. Why even put him out there? Really strange, really strange. And then, you know, Reyna comes into the game late. I think Adams was, was typical Adams. He did, he, he did all right. He, I think he has a thigh contusion coming out of this, but he's a warrior. He's a warrior. And then Luca Delatore got into the game late, proving once again that he is simply put the best passer of the ball that we have on the team. Period. End of story. Sorry. End of conversation. I don't care what you think. Because you think I know, and there's a big difference. I love the way he acted in the Panama game too. He was a good teammate. There's a couple of tweets that went out about how he kept getting in the way and protecting his captain in uh, Pulisic, who was, who was certainly acting up. Great game for him that day, but not so much yesterday. But Zach Steffen should not be our goalkeeper. Let's start there. It always starts in the back. I get it. He's, he's pretty good with his distribution and whatnot. But if he's going to be hurt, if he's going to be as complacent and start around there and just going through them, it, it just looks like he is so comfortable. And it's almost like a reverse. It's like when so, we, we know people like this and this is the way they act in their real life. They, you always wonder to yourself, God, why is that person so confident? Why do they act the way they act? It's because they're hiding something. And I don't know what's going on in the mind of Zach Steffen, but he, he is trying to portray this aura of confidence. And it just, and, and, but when the ball gets near him, he just can't figure it out. Go back to the summer. I mean, watch that cross that Kevin Sargent had to save off the line. And I think it was the 27th minute. That's just my memory popping in there. But I just don't think he's our guy. He's not. Now let me start over. Because I just told you that you think and I know. I know he's not our guy. So let's figure out who our guy is first and foremost. As far as your thinking, and, and, and I want to be very clear about this. I don't know why some of you dummies are talking about 2026. We still have a World Cup to play. And most of the narrative is, oh, wait till we get to 2026. We just barely, I know it's going to be easier to qualify. 
We just barely squeaked into this one. And in, and I need to remind everybody, we're not as good as we think we are. Yes, we didn't get a chance to see McKinney play with Raina, barely at all. At the beginning of this thing, Weston McKinney was still acting up and inviting girls to a hotel room in Toronto. So that that wasn't smart. He got kicked off the team and brought back. And we all remember how Gio Reyna started that first game in El Salvador when he got so scared of the, the firebomb that went off behind him that you know, he looked like he was terrified. He didn't even want to play. But we didn't get to see him with Tyler and, and Pulisic the, the whole time. What we've discovered in the process is that as good as Musa is, he's still young and it's a lot to put on him. But De La Torre is a better passer of the ball. It might be a better teammate. I don't know. I like the way he plays. But the point is, stop talking about 2026. Do you realize how many guys that you are celebrating right now won't even be on the team? They're not going to play in this World Cup. You're sitting there complaining about it. But there are some hard decisions to make. This is not a group of 23. This is a group of about 30. And Greg's got to make some choices. Me personally, personally, and I know I'm going to sound like a, 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 a really horrible, Zach Steffen isn't even my number three. Because he's not in a team that he's playing. If Turner goes to Arsenal, great. If he gets games that he's playing, the one that's in the best form plays. Horvath is playing at Nottingham Forest. He's getting, he's very busy. He's forced to make saves. He's forced to organize. The games are faster. It's the championship. That's not a bad spot to be in. Hell, Sean Johnson has just won a championship. He won MLS Cup. Those three right now, right now, even with everybody hurt, Zach Steffen's four. Sorry. Maybe I'm spoiled. I had Brad Friedel and Casey Keller and Tony Miola in my net in my day. And those guys are better than all three I just mentioned. So, well, four. And that makes me sound like uh, you know, old guy screaming from the lawn, but I don't care. I know Brad Friedel is the best goalkeeper we've ever had, period. So, if you don't believe me, then, then you just simply don't know what you're talking about. But as this team gets closer and closer uh, to November, what's going to end up happening is that it's going to be about form. You can't rest on your laurels. It's got to be about who are the best players in form right now that are going to help this team win a World Cup. Now, going back to my original point, that's why the players who are playing in Major League Soccer might have an advantage here for the first time ever, ever. Do your research on this. I'm not going to go through all of the, I'm not going to get into weeds here, but there's a number, okay? There are so many players that made the World Cup team without ever playing in a qualifier. Why is that? It's a real simple answer because in a World Cup that's played in the summer, the majority of the players in Major League Soccer spend two or three, maybe sometimes close to four months off in November, December, January, February, and then they try to push it and they can't. So what ends up happening is players in Major League Soccer in a traditional calendar come into their preseason. They might have played a couple of friendlies with the national team. They're trying to ingratiate themselves with the, with the national team coach, prove on things that they've done in the past, and I was a part of this, not the things that they're doing right now, and they end up making a World Cup team. And then watch what happens in that scenario. If you've just spent the last two, three months trying not to get hurt, the second that you come into camp and you go sleep to sprint, you get hurt. All that time trying not to get hurt, and now you get hurt. Look it up. Look at the guys that came in. I'm talking about the Corey Gibbs of the world, the Greg Vannies, good players, made the national team, had played. And now they, they're like, oh, I want to make sure I make the team because that's a big payday for me. And it's not their fault. It's the way that the MLS starts and finishes. You think the guys in Europe have that choice? Hell no. They're playing for money. They're playing against promotion and relegation. They don't have the choice. They can't turn it off. They can't shut it down. 
They can't not try. They have to try. You got guys playing in the Champions League in May and in a World Cup a month later. Yeah, they get about a ten, eight to 10 day rest where they get to like heal and let it let the blood settle, but then they're right back at it. That's not the case in Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer means that you play in Columbus versus Dallas in March. Sorry, who cares? Nobody cares about that result. It doesn't mean anything. And so you you go into a mentality of, well, I, you know, I'm just going to try to make some good passes and get out of here unscathed. That is the mentality of the MLS player under normal circumstances. The reason why on this occasion it might be different is the fact that they're going to be playing games of relevance in October and their national team coach is basically saying, man, I hope they get knocked out so I can get my players that are on my list from Major League Soccer who are in form, get knocked out of the playoffs and you can come into training camp. We'll give you a couple of days off and let's get after it. And you're already full tilt. You're not having to, your body isn't having to second guess what is this? Why am I trying hard? This I, I've just conditioned myself to go 70% for the last three months. And now you want me to go full tilt? Full tilt? Think about Josie Altidorf, 21 minutes into the first game of the World Cup that he participated in. Bang, hamstring gone. Why? It's the same story. But this time around, it'll be different. It'll be different. We might have a fitter team simply because we've got guys who are, have been participating in the World Cup. I mean, in, in MLS, and now they're going to be playing in a World Cup. And that's good news for us. So the Paul Areolas of the world, the ones that you hate so much because you just think don't think they're good enough or the Ferreras or the guys that, that, that have signed contracts uh, in Major League Soccer, those guys might be in pretty, pretty good form. Get there. Kellen Acosta might be in good form. He might be a guy that we might need to rely on. And he's proven to be somewhat of an asset for us right now. So I, I, am, not, I am not completely uh, counting that kid out. Now, I look today at what the, the outcome might be and we'll get the actual draw tomorrow. The United States is in pot two. Canada is in pot four. That's an, an interesting deal. Yeah, well, Costa Rica still has their playing game with New Zealand. I think we have, we're going to have to wait this one out before we get to Friday with what happens with Ukraine. You know, God bless them. It's hard to, it's hard to root against them. You really are hoping that they participate this, this go around. Russia's out. Italy is out. So this is a, a very unique scenario. Uh, I looked at uh, the Netherlands and, uh, well, Egypt got knocked out. You saw that. I, and if you have opinions about those lasers that they were using, you should. That's a travesty. That's a travesty that it could all come down to one shot. And Mo Salah's got so many lasers in his face, he can't even see you know, two feet in front of him when he puts it over the bar. But looking at, at, at what the outcome might be, uh, it, it, it can get tricky. You know, it can get tricky. And, and the, the rules are, are fairly specific about, um, you know, you cannot have, you can have two teams from Europe in the same, but that's it. So you're not gonna have three teams in, in one group. And the outcome of that is very uh, unlikely anyway. That's, that's going to come down to what happens in Scotland, Ukraine, Wales, like, you know, how all that all turns out. But the teams that we will not be able to avoid are the big boys. Uh, well, outside of Germany and the Netherlands. And this could get tricky. I don't know who I'm rooting for. I'm actually rooting for maybe we get England again. But we could get Argentina, right? Well, you're not going to get Italy. They're out. I, mean, I was worried about that. I thought, if you look at the, the, the history of our World Cups, we seem to run into the Czechs and Italy a lot and Ghana. A lot. And, they, and everyone's like, are we going to get Ghana again? We, yeah, maybe. We'll see how it goes with Peru. They've got to get, they've got to get through that as well. They're going to be in that, that last, uh, that last pod too. So I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to see who we get. I can't. And I do think that's kind of funny that not to take a shot at Mexico, but how in the hell is Mexico the ninth best team in the world? According to FIFA. Say what? I got a, I got a pub team in Santa Barbara that could beat those guys. And I'm not kidding. They're old. They're slow. 
The United States, I think, is sitting on 15th. I mean, you got teams like Sweden who didn't make it. And Croatia is behind us. Are you telling me that Croatia is not better? I don't know. I don't know how they do these things. I don't know. I think we get Brazil and I think we get uh, Saudi Arabia. Those are the two that stand out the most to me. And you know, if we avoid Iran, that's great. I feel I'm looking at the past and, and how this all works out. We've had Germany in the past. We've had, we've had tough groups. I mean, the group of 94, we were the host team and we got Colombia, which at the time was the number one team in the world. Romania, who was, was doing incredible things in Europe at that point. They're an amazing team with Dimitrescu and Lupescu. And I was like, whoa, I mean, amazing stuff. Aji. Haji was in his heyday in Barcelona. I mean, I mean that, was, that was tough. And then, of course, Switzerland. Switzerland wasn't, you know, an easy game. But to beat Colombia and tie the, the Swiss, I don't think they were counting on that. So before we start rooting for, you know, let's get Qatar. You don't know what the home field advantage does to a team. They play out of their skin sometimes. So let's, let's, not, let's, let's not be wishing for that. I think we get Brazil. We might get France. We might get Belgium. We'll get Spain, England. Uh, in that first group, that, those are all those are all going to have their own dynamic. But uh, we'll find out tomorrow tomorrow how that's all going to uh, to to play out. But I, let's let's say this, you know, congratulations to Greg Berhalter. You have you have done what the previous coach could not do, pre, previous coaches could not do, and you've qualified this team closer to uh, three thousand two hundred days after the last time that we have participated. So we we can be happy about this, you know, the outcome of who we actually get in the World Cup. Is going to change the narrative completely, and it and believe me, it changes the it changes everything about Greg Berhalter's selection. I have my feelings about the goalkeeping position, but when when we get to that scenario of of knowing who our opponents are going to be, it's going to change the way we think about it. And some of these some of these teams are no fun to play against. I'm not afraid of Tunisia. We're not going to get Canada, but you, I'm not afraid of Ghana. But Ghana's tricky. Senegal's tricky. Cameroon. I mean, it's like. Oh, you know, stay away from Uruguay. I mean, are you kidding me? Who wants to play them? Nobody. It's a good day to wear a good day to wear red socks, not the white socks, because your white socks will be red by the end of the game. That's the old Uruguay. I shouldn't pick on those guys like that. Anyway, uh, we do get back to action uh, with the, the draw. Certainly is on Friday, and then the EPL gets underway. Everybody gets to filter back to their teams. I guess one other thing that we should be very happy about is the fact that Gio Reyna got through this window unscathed. A lot of smiling going on with that kid. Have you noticed that? He just seems to be a happy guy, which is great, which is great. He just doesn't seem to be bothered too much by anything. Smiling on the bench when, uh, and pointing and laughing when Pulisic got, a, got, a, got attacked by uh, some of the Panamanians. Uh, was a crack up at the, uh, the post, post-game interviews. And then was laughing yesterday. Everybody else had this look on their face like, yeah, we know we lost. And, we're, and he's like, hey, who cares? Man? We're in. Let's go. He's all right. He's not hurt. So he gets to go back to his team, you know, without an ice bag. And, and that's the same with Pulisic. And I, 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 Adam, I don't worry about Tyler Adams. I don't worry about it at all in regards to something like that. Reports are that Weston McKinney is, is getting healthier, quicker than we thought he would be. So that's, that, that's not complete. And we've qualified without him, which, you know, some people are even saying we're better without him. You, you're feeling like we got to play him and instead of a Musa or a, a Delatore. I mean, it's, there's some unique problems that uh, Greg Berhalter is going to have to be worried about. But I, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's great that uh, we're in. We can really figure out who we're going to play against in the next 24 hours. And then and we go from there. I really am curious to see who we get though. And I'm really happy that we can't get Germany and Holland. I'm a Dutchman, by the way. 
So my, my heritage is Dutch. So we believe in the orange. What do they used to call it in Spanish? The Machina, Machina Ranca. That was the, uh, the orange machine back from the 1978 World Cup all the way to the finals against Argentina. Just a quick story on that. This is kind of funny. I know I, I lost my brother last year and to COVID and it was horrible. But my brother's name was Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T, which my father named him that because my grandfather's name was Isbrandt, which is a very, if you've seen Brandt before, I mean, it's, it's a Dutch name. And when he came over on the boat and, and got to Ellis Island, they changed his name to Al. And my name, what used to be van der Vinalde, is now Winalda, W-Y, but the I and the J were not dotted and it became a Y. And so my name is kind of like Reichardt or Wesley Schneider. It's, it's, it's W-I-J in A-L-D-A. But my brother's name was Brandt. And the first time I ever realized that my, t- my family actually cared about the World Cup was the 1978 World Cup with Kempis and Pasarela and that gang. And it was in Argentina. So we watched all the games. My dad was up watching all the games. And, he, and that's the first time I, knew, I realized that my dad was really into this because of our Dutch heritage. And loved Cruyff and loved, you know, Johnny the Red and the whole bit. Naskins. But the defender for Holland's name was Brandt. B-R-A-N-D-T. And if you remember the game, he's actually responsible for the own goal in the final, which really, according to my dad back then, was the, was the catalyst us losing the, the, the game. Kempis got two late goals and, you know, and, and Holland lost the game three to one. But the first goal was scored by Brandt, my brother's name. And honest to God, my dad would not look at or speak to my brother for a month after that. I, I remember it vividly. I, I was a young kid. And it was almost like, like my brother going to my mom and saying, why won't dad talk to me? He was so angry about, and he just couldn't look at him because it reminded him of the goal. And at one point, it was like a month after the World Cup, my mother literally had to yell at my dad and say, David, talk to your son. He didn't score the goal against the own goal. And my dad just looked down. He, I don't even remember what we were eating. And he just said, we named him the wrong damn name. It really was a thing in my family. It was, it was a thing. They, 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 we reconciled and everything got better after that. But I still to this day remember that. A month of silence. I can't imagine ever doing that to, to one of my kids. Not talking to them for a month just because his name reminded me of the, the, the guy that scored the own goal. But that's when I knew that I was in a soccer family. My dad videoed every damn game. It's on VHS still to this day in boxes and storage. Every game. I went back and looked at that stuff because it says Argentina, ARG, you know, versus NED, you know, and my dad's writing. And there's this huge, like, well, not huge, but there's a red dot. There's not, there's the red dot nowhere else in any of those videotapes, but there's a red dot on that tape because Brand scored the own goal. Oh my God. It's just, it's just a quick story for you, but it's a reason why, you know, when we talk about passions and whatnot, these are the kind of things you remember. I also remember that during the final, it was, I don't know what hour it was, but I, it was the first time I ever saw my dad drink. He was drinking some, old bottle of something that had cobwebs on it. And the first time I'd ever heard my father slur his words, but that was that, that game. That was that game. He also had pickled herring that morning, which I thought was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Pickled herring is supposed to be good luck. I, I don't even know if it's in stores anymore. It's a Dutch thing. You open up that can and it's the whole room's going to smell, but he was eating those and he was drinking some God awful Brown bottle of something. And the day didn't really go well for the Dutchman. We ended up losing that one. Either way, uh, that's the kind of passion I love. I love about the World Cup. I don't know if they're going to be able to recreate that in this World Cup because of all the restrictions. We all know that you know alcohol is not something that is, they're going to have to figure out a way. You're going to put them in tents and then 
I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I have to look into the, uh, the regulations there, but the, you know, normally there's no alcohol allowed. That's a big problem. Hey, it's going to solve a lot of problems for the English. <laughs> the English that do, do arrive, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be more, if, if they're nicer, it depends if they're angry, angry drunks or they're just going to be angry that they can't drink. But either way, they, they, they might act up. Uh, we're, the whole world is going to converge on this, uh, this little island where all these stadiums are going to be eight miles from each other. So it's going to be easy to get to where you need to go. At the end of the day, it's going to be different than any other World Cup that we've ever participated in. And I got to look up. And you know what? I, I got to go back because I am 100% certain that that game is December 18th is the World Cup final in Qatar. But I need to see what time of day it is because I think it's going to, they're going to have to figure out as far as the, 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 uh, the timelines to make that, and this is the TV people. This is where they they chime in because the World Cup will have, will have to be played at a time. What's odd is if you see the World Cup starting as far as the, our, our, my time zone, that first game on November 21st and 22nd, that's at 2 a.m., folks. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. You getting up for that? Who remembers the South Korea-Japan deal? The final's at 7 a.m. Oh, 7 a.m. You know, for, for most of us, that's not going to be the end of the world. For most of us, that's uh, maybe we're not the biggest market that they're focused on as far as, as, as you know, who, who they're really. And I, did, I do think it changes the contracts as far as, you know, all these sponsors that have dropped a bunch of money and how many eyeballs are going to be watching that in state, you know, in the United States. But the reality is, is we're used to getting up and watching EPL games and, and Bundesliga games at that hour. So maybe this is just, uh, you know, a different way to party. I don't know if the, uh, I think this sounds like uh, Denny's might be a, a good sponsor. You know, have some eggs, have some coffee, watch a, watch a game. Uh, maybe not the, the beer sponsors that we're used to, the Heinekens of the world who do the Champions League final, which is at a normal hour, 12 o'clock, noon on, on you know, Pacific time. I'm talking about, you know, West Coast. So wherever you are in the world, it's just 12 o'clock for me. If you're in New York, it's three. You know, Europe, clear, clearly you're, um, you're somewhere in the evening. So. But this one's in Qatar, guys. So, and I'm not going to say Qatar. I know people say Qatar. It's not Qatar. It's Qatar. Let's just say Qatar. I don't care. Let's make it easy. The rule in the uh, network world is if you're on, on air with somebody that gets something wrong or pronounces someone else's, someone's name wrong, you got to live with it. You, everybody has to live the lie. So if you say the name wrong, people on that panel are going to, if, if they choose to repeat the name, they got to say it the way you said it. And if, and if you've said it wrong, it, it, that's, that's how it's coming out. Deal with it later. I wasn't always like that. I'm picking on Alexi Lalas twice today, but Alexi used to always get the, everybody's name wrong. And he wasn't really good at geography when it came to Germany. So on, on air, I would say, you, you meant to say this, right? I mean, I think the first time he said Lewandowski, I said, no, it's Lewandowski. What do you mean it's Lewandowski? It's Lewin, read it. No, 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 the W is a V. If you go to Germany and, and you're driving a BMW, they call it a BMV, believe it or not. And it's not Levi's, it's Levy's. Weird. Weird stuff over there. But anyway, you got to live it with, you know, when, when somebody screws it up. I don't do that. I just call you out when you screw up. Uh, let me just get, catch you up when we get back to action. There's a lot of focus on what's happened with Liverpool, Manchester City. That thing's getting very interesting. Liverpool's got Watford. So Watford could, could make things very, very complicated. Chelsea's got to get Brentford, and, and then if you get in the Bundesliga, a good one actually, Freiburg and Bayern. That is a, a, a good one to watch. Dortmund gets Leipzig. 
and Augsburg, if we're even paying attention to that anymore. We got Pepe versus Brooksy, which is no longer part of the U.S. team. Uh, I don't know why. I think I would put him on my team, but that's the way it is. MLS, scroll through them and see if there's anything interesting. Cincinnati versus Montreal, bad versus worse. Let's see how that goes. And I'm, I got my eye on San Jose. San Jose's got Austin at home. If San Jose loses this game, expect a coaching change. That will be it. That will be the straw that, that breaks the camel's back. And that'll be it for Almeida. And I, I'm you know, already saying you know, it publicly that he has the ability to terminate his contract. Here's why he's not terminating his contract. If he terminates his contract and or uh, resigns, he doesn't get paid. If they fire him, they got to pay him till the end of the year. So what do you think is going to happen? All right. Pretty easy stuff. That's it for me. Um, congratulations, United States of America. You are in a World Cup. There's plenty to talk about next week. I know I promised you three podcasts ago that I would get into the ownership of Chelsea. I promise you, I'm going to revisit that. There's a lot of people that uh, hit me and say, hey, you forgot about that. Didn't forget. It's just bad timing, bad announcement. Didn't really manage my weeks very well, but I do want to talk about that. I do want to talk about equality. I want to talk about the ideas of who might take over Chelsea Football Club. And if they are coming from a place where they do not respect women, uh, that's going to be an issue because Chelsea Football Club has a women's team. I have daughters. I have four of them. I care about this kind of thing. So it might be something that uh, we can dive into. As for me, that's it. I usually try to keep this thing under 45 minutes because I know your attention span is worse than mine. And uh, that's that's usually the sweet spot. So I'm going to shut it down for now. You uh, continue to be good people. Be supportive of our U.S. national team. Don't be negative. And if you, turn, if you are negative, go neutral. If you find somebody that's in a negative space, turn it into a neutral and then eventually turn the neutral to positive. It's a very, very easy process. Stay away from negative people. It'll just make you miserable. In the meantime, continue to be good people out there. Be good human beings, please. And we'll hear you next time.